Hello and welcome to day 18 of Crikey's Election Cast. It's Thursday, the 28th of April. I'm Cam Wilson. Scott Morrison and the Coalition want voters to believe that they are the best party at managing Australia's economy. But the inflation rate, published yesterday, up 5.1%, is challenging the government's narrative while also showing what many people already knew and felt that it's getting more expensive to live in Australia and wages just aren't rising to meet that cost. Earlier today, Crikey's Tips and Murmurs editor Charlie Lewis spoke to our politics editor Bernard King. For those of our listeners who haven't been sort of following this that closely or for whom this is a little bit opaque, could you just give us a bit of a general introduction about what's happening with inflation at the moment in Australia and and why that might be? Well, inflation's been on the up for quite some time um, for a variety of reasons. One is uh, international oil prices have been have been going up. Uh, international energy prices, more generally, have been going up. Um, which uh, the, the immediate effect is, um, as journalists and no one else likes to say, like to say, at the Bowser. Um, that's one of those words that only journalists use. Um, if you drive a car, you'll have noticed the price of petrol going up. It's actually come down a little bit uh, in the last sort of month or so, off those sort of highs that were occasioned by uh, the invasion of of Ukraine, but energy prices in generally have been going up, um, which is why at some point in uh, in coming quarters, possibly next quarter, we're going to start to see power prices go up as well. Um, power prices in Australia have been coming down, certainly on the East Coast have been coming down as well for a while. That's the penetration of, of renewables, um, uh, which are now significantly lower cost than um than uh, coal-fired power, or for that matter, gas-fired power. But we still are quite dependent on coal-fired power, um, and that means that as the price of coal internationally has gone up, that's going to translate into higher electricity prices for energy sourced from coal-fired power. So our reliance, our continuing reliance on coal-fired power, uh, a bad idea certainly in, in climate action terms, is going to be a, uh, a significant looming problem for inflation. There's also supply chain issues. Now, supply chain issues are a worldwide phenomenon and have been ever since the pandemic. Um, they range from systemic issues around what happens if um, you, um, you, know, you, you have a rush of, uh, of particular uh, demand in one particular country or one particular country shuts down uh, exports of key items as um, uh, as Indonesia recently has in relation to um, uh, both coal and now palm oil, uh, or to more obvious COVID-related issues like the fact that uh, a lot of employers, not just in Australia, but right around the world, struggling to keep up uh, production or struggling to keep up provision of services because they can't get enough staff or their staff are off sick. Um, that's, uh, that's an issue that's hitting uh, right around the world. So there are both... Uh, one-off kind of causes of of the inflation spike, but also building systemic causes. And Australia's been no exception. We probably got off a little bit more lightly compared to other other countries. But after yesterday's um, uh, uh, CPI rise for the March quarter, uh, the inflation spike has very definitely reached Australia's shores. So uh, in the March quarter, the annual rate of inflation was about 5%. That is way higher than anything we've had. Um, probably for the last sort of certainly since going back to before the financial crisis um, and uh, a 2.1% spike in the March quarter alone 
really does give an indication that uh, that you know the maybe the the you know the long era of low inflation that we've had in Australia since the Reserve Bank really began cracking down on uh, inflation and targeting inflation through monetary policy is perhaps come to an end, or if not an end, then certainly we're um, we're pushing upwards again on on uh, the kind of inflation levels that make um, that make policymakers uncomfortable. And I suppose the, the sort of the, the follow on question from that with, with these sort of kind of big and scary sounding numbers is what's what's the impact on especially sort of for an ordinary worker? How is this going to like impact their day or their, their life? Well, traditionally in Australia, when we have had high inflation, we've also had high wages and the two have actually been, you know, worked, walked hand in hand. I mean, um, go back to the early 80s. I mean, one of the causes of the recession back then was uh, a wage price spiral. That got out of control. Um, that was back when the economy was much more heavily unionised. Unions had a lot more power, and if prices went up, inflation went up. Then unions said, "Right, we want to pay rise," which and then in turn fed back into um, cost rises for uh, for business. So uh, you know, we had some pretty memorable wage price spirals back in the eighties. Since the adoption of um, uh, more independent sort of central banking and a much more stringent focus on inflation and uh, obviously the decline of union power and the move away from centralised bargaining. Um, we've kind of moved more to an area where workers have been getting lower wage rises, but with much lower inflation levels. And that's why over the last sort of about nine years under the coalition, we've had very, very low wage rises, like basically wage stagnation, um, where wage rises got down to um, you know below two percent a year, very very low, but real wages were still not not performing particularly badly. I.e., workers weren't going backwards too far. Um, workers were basically sort of keeping pace with inflation. Um, so real wages were low, but so was inflation. What's happened now, and what's happened over the last sort of uh, couple of quarters? has been a rise in inflation whilst uh, our wages are continuing to grow at those pre-pandemic levels. This is something that the Reserve Bank has been talking about. The Reserve Bank's entire monetary policy up until a couple of months ago was predicated on the idea that it would start lifting rates when wage rises really began kicking in, i.e. they got above 3%. They're nowhere near 3% at the moment. Um, uh, that idea is now being ditched. But the thinking was, as the employment market tightened, that wage rises uh, were going to start to go up. Uh, unfortunately, that hasn't happened, uh, despite the very tight labour market. Uh, wage rises for Australians are still below, um, still below three percent. I think the most recent figure for December two thousand and twenty-one was, uh, I think, two point seven percent. So now we've got this spike in inflation, but without higher uh, wages growth, and that means real wage cuts and. Um, the um, under Scott Morrison in particular, during his period of prime minister prime ministership, real wages have actually begun falling, um, particularly over the last year. And with yesterday's um, inflation news for March, we don't have the wages growth figures for March yet. We're going to get those on the nineteenth of May, actually, just three days before the election. It's going to take an absolutely stonking increase in wages for the March quarter to see workers actually um, maintaining their real wages. So 
what we're looking at is households, particularly if you're in the private sector, households uh, with significantly falling real wages due to higher inflation. And if you happen to own a mortgage or happen to have a mortgage as well, then you are almost certainly going to face um, increases in uh, your mortgage repayments because the Reserve Bank almost certainly is going to move to lift interest rates in response to this inflation spike. Um, I want to come back um, to to the impact on wages in just a second, Bernard. But you mentioned the the, the Reserve Bank there. Um, so, I mean, going forward, what does this mean for the Reserve Bank in terms of the decisions they're going to be having to make? Well, a couple a couple of months ago, basically, as I said, the Reserve Bank ditched its wages first policy, um, which was wait until wage price uh, sorry uh, wages growth has hit three percent. They thought the economy would 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 need that persistent increase, sustained increase in wages to get inflation back above 2%. So the Reserve Bank's got this target band of 2 to 3% where it tries to aim uh, for inflation. It's been undershooting that for a very long time. What's happened is, courtesy of those factors that I talked about earlier, you know, supply chains, oil price rises, uh, energy price rises, uh, the lingering impact of COVID, um, we're seeing sustained significant increases in inflation without those sort of wage rises here in Australia. So the Reserve Bank's been forced to change tack. They've decided, well, inflation's here, whether we like it or not, hasn't arrived in the way that we want it to, which is via wages growth. It's arrived through these other mechanisms, but we're stuck with it. And that means that we're going to have to accelerate our uh, plan to get interest rates back to something approaching normal. Now, let's remember interest rates at the moment are literally as low as they can possibly go. Well, I mean, look, conceivably, they could go negative. They have gone negative in other countries, but um, the Reserve Bank's ruled it out here. So we're basically at, with uh, with an inflation level, uh, sorry, interest rate level of point zero point one, uh, interest rates are about as low as you're going to get them. Um, we are a very long way, even from the kind of interest rate levels that we you know, had just five years ago when you know, yeah, interest rates were, were 2 3 and 4%. Um, so that when we talk about increases in interest rates, we are talking about what's called a normalisation of interest rates back to the kind of levels that we're more used to rather than these sort of interest rates starting with a zero in front of them. But nonetheless, that's, that's going to be cold comfort to people who've, uh, particularly people who've taken out recent mortgages um, who may not have, you know, first-home buyers who are going to face their first interest rate rise. Um, we haven't had an interest rate rise in Australia since Julia Gillard was Prime Minister way back in 2010. That's how long uh, it's been between drinks when it comes to interest rate rises. The only question at this point is, is it going to be on Tuesday, which is when the May Reserve Bank board meeting happens, or are they going to wait until June? Obviously, if they do it next Tuesday, then that's going to be a very significant sort of political moment. Um, but one way or the other, the Reserve Bank is going to have to lift rates and it's going to have to lift them by quite a bit. It's not just going to lift them by 0.25 of a percent. Um, it will probably lift them by, well, markets are suggesting between a total of between 1% and 2% over the next, uh, next few months, next few quarters. Um, the idea is by the end of next year, uh, interest rates will be back above 2%, possibly even higher. And obviously, that's all going to depend on the outlook for inflation. 
That's fascinating. And I suppose this it, it, this comes back to the kind of question that I guess we always get to with election cast. I remember last time you and I spoke, we, we, we talked about the pact between the China and the Solomon Islands and what, what a kind of catastrophe that was in a lot of ways, but how it probably wasn't going to end up having all that much of an impact on anyone's vote. This one sounds like it's a bit of a different situation where it's actually having very, very material impacts on quite a few levels. So I suppose, how do you feel, how do you see this, um, what do you think this means for the election? I, look, um, it's... I. Th- Coalition, and I've just been reading an article that suggests coalition strategists will be quite happy for, you know, are always happy for the focus to be on the economy, no matter what. Um, I think that's a little bit optimistic. I think people being reminded that, A, inflation is now um, surging to levels that make a real difference to household budgets, and B, that their mortgage repayments are going to go up if they have a mortgage, um, uh, is not going to play well um, with... um, particularly people in those areas that Scott Morrison seems to be targeting, which is sort of outer suburban and large regional areas. Those areas, you know, do have a lot of people who, for whom, you know, a, a mortgage payment increase of, uh, you know, a hundred bucks a month really does make a big difference where rising food prices and food prices, education prices, um, electricity prices, they make a big difference as well. So these are issues that really go to the heart of what dictates how people vote, which is the economy and how the economy is working out for them. So, you know, I can't see how it's going to be anything but um, a negative for uh, the coalition. And it's going to, what it does, of course, is focus on the sorts of issues that, um, that the coalition probably prefer uh, not be focused on. I mean, some of the areas that are seeing the biggest price rises are areas where there is, you know, a consensus that the coalition has failed to do much or is actually been a negative in general. Um, health rises, uh, sorry, price rises in areas like health, in areas like education, uh, in areas like energy, uh, exactly the sort of areas where people are already aware that um, the coalition's performance in government has not been particularly good. So it's a a bit of a double whammy, I think, in terms of what it's going to focus people's minds on when it it comes to making up their minds about how they're going to vote. Absolutely. And I suppose it does also come back to the idea that, yes, usually the the coalition likes it to be about the economy or about things like national security. And in two issues in a row, it's kind of been two two problems on that, on those fronts. Well, exactly. I mean, this is supposed to be core business of the coalition. National security is supposed to be the core business of any government. But um, the coalition likes to say that it's the party of national security. You can't trust Labor. Labor's soft on China. Labor's soft on terrorism. Labor's soft on um, anything bad, really. Um, And yet, you know, the Solomon Islands debacle has played out in a way that's been very negative for the government. And the coalition is supposed to be, uh, you know, the best economic manager or the better economic manager. I mean, the, the interest rates until... 2004 didn't kind of occupy such a totemic position in Australian political debate. It was John Howard that made them uh, totemic in, in electioneering. He was one, he, he attacked Mark Latham. Um, lest we forget, Mark Latham was once upon a time the opposition leader. Uh, and as time goes on, that becomes an increasingly ludicrous thing to remember. But um, let's, let's not forget John Howard attacked Mark Latham um, over interest rates, said interest rates would always be lower under the coalition. And of course, that statement probably 
assisted in him defeating Latham in 2004. Probably a whole lot of things assisted him uh, in defeating Latham, but it certainly came back to haunt him in 2007 when interest rates actually went up during the election campaign um, in response to burgeoning inflation that was driven by a lot of government spending. So uh, if Scott Morrison is unhappy about the fact that he's going to wear some blame in relation to a possible interest rate rise next week, really he can blame John Howard for elevating interest rates to a kind of an indicator, a marker of, um, of government economic competence. And it's kind of ass about, really, because if you are managing the economy well, uh, if you have a strong economy with low unemployment, then you are going to get higher inflation and there is going to be a need for um, higher interest rates. So, um, you know, it's actually hard to argue that higher interest rates are a clear indicator of economic incompetence. Um, in, in contrast, dropping interest rates, although it's great for people who have mortgages, is usually an indicator that the economy is faring pretty poorly. Um, but politically now we're kind of, um, you know, we're in a bizarro world where rising interest rates suggest that there's something profoundly wrong with the people who are making economic policy decisions. That was Bernard Keane, Crikey's political editor, speaking to Tips and Murmurs editor Charlie Lewis. Thank you for listening to Crikey's election cast. If you have a spare moment, we'd appreciate it if you could review us on whatever podcast platform you use. And don't forget there's plenty of coverage of the election at crikey.com.au, so I encourage you to go dive in. Until next time, see you then.